0: Good morning, church. Good morning. It's good to be here with you this morning. You know, I may sound weird, but I just want to say I love you. Each one of you, it's so good to be back together with you this morning. It's good to be here today. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Oh, yeah. Come on. Already such a great way to start off the day, the week, as we continue putting God first this year. I love the 9 o'clock service, I do, it's, it's, uh, it's fresh, it's, just, it's, it's ripe, like you didn't sleep in, you chose to get up and get here and be here. Now you got a little strategy because you know we're really up against the clock because we got that next service coming in, <laughs> so the pastor can't preach real long, just a little long but not real long, so I see what you do sometimes. I really enjoy doing two services and being with each one of you. We have a lot going on. If you're new here and visiting, I want to say thanks for being here. Thanks for checking us out. Maybe we've not had the opportunity to meet. Maybe we've never uh, been able to be introduced. Hey, I'd love to meet you in the lobby on the way out this morning, but uh, I'm so glad you're here today. Can we put our hands together for our guests? Those visiting with us this morning, you think it's awesome that you took some time to be here with us today. On your seat, you'll see an orange Connect card. Do us a favor and just fill that out on at some point today and when you leave on your way out, you can leave it at our next steps table there in the lobby, and as you exit, leave it there, and we would love to just reach out to you this week sometime, connect with you, if you have a question about who we are, what we're doing, uh, you can drop it on there, and uh, we'll respond to you and get you some information, but otherwise, we just wanna let you know, we thought it was pretty awesome that you came out to be with us today, and thank you for being here. There is a lot going on, they're gonna throw a little list of upcoming events up on the screen here, and I want you to check it out. I'm gonna go through it kinda quickly because there's a lot happening, But a couple things are right off the bat. We are in the middle, smack dab in the middle of 14 days of prayer and fasting. We began last week, last Sunday. It lasts until next Sunday. So each one of you that are in the middle of a fast, hey, hang on. We're halfway there. Keep going. Keep the fight and watch God do something amazing. If you haven't begun yet, if this hasn't, if you said, you know what, I'm not sure, and then you forgot about it, got away from you. Hey, today there's still seven days left. Don't believe the lie. It's too late. You can start now. Do something, find something in your life to fast and join us as we give God the beginning of our year. Small groups kick off February the 1st. We're excited about that and uh, we're excited. I've seen the list of small groups and you'll be able to sign up in the lobby on the way out today. This is not great information, but our website had a little bit of a malfunction called malware. It's over my head. However, they are working on it. So sign ups will be online as soon as we get that figured out. Uh, apparently, they're closed on the weekend when church is open. So it makes things tough sometimes. But they'll be available for sign-up. Otherwise, you can sign up in the lobby today. But they don't begin until the 1st, so we still have enough margin there. And then also, we have our six-year anniversary coming up. Six years of doing amazing things, watching God use each one of us. So make sure you're here on that Sunday. Then the Monday night after that, we have our annual winter revival that night from 7 to 8, 7 to 8.15 or so. Come out, we'll have some childcare, we'll take care of your babies, but we're gonna have a good time that evening and with a guest speaker coming in and just have a revival style service and believe God's gonna encourage each one of us and uh, see, just see God do some amazing things. Then we have a marriage conference out of town, you can register for that. Information is in the back. And then for the first time, the Avenue Youth are doing a big one night conference right here yeah, on. on Monday night, the 18th. Oh, wow. So if you got some students, sixth to 12th grade, They have a one-night conference. We're bringing in a speaker and some people. It's going to be great for one night right here in this room. If you want to serve and be a part, you're an adult, you want to just say, hey, I want to lean into these kids. What can I do? Can I serve pizza? Can I give out prizes? You can do something. See Albert or Brittany, and they'd love to have you uh, jump in there and be a part. But otherwise, make sure your student is here on that Sunday night and get this. There's no school the next day in this district, so they can stay out a little bit later that night and have a good time as well. Avenue Youth, you do have a small group that kicks off tonight, so make sure you're there at Albert and Brittany's house. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts chapter 17. Acts 17, we're going to read one verse. If not, we have it on the screens right here for each one to read. This is the verse we're building this series off of. It says, but in him, in Christ, we live and move and have our being. We're talking about taking one small step. The word for this year is movement. And my encouragement to each one of you is to move, is to take that step. You ever been at a stoplight and there's a car in front of you and that car happens to be on their phone while they're driving and the light has turned green and the light turns green and you give them the one, two, three second courtesy pause and they haven't gone, so what do you do? Beep beep. And beep beep means, hey, the light turns. You may not have been paying attention because you're busy on your phone, but the rest of us have somewhere else to be. And so this morning, this is a little bit of a Hong Kong. I don't know where you are in life, but if you're sitting at the red light and it's turned green and it's time to move, Hong Kong, beep beep. It's time to move. It's time to make an action. It's time to take a step. This is me in the car behind you reminding you, in him we live and move. So this morning, in this series, I want you to figure out what is my step I need to take. There is a step each one of us all need to take. I want to take a look at a uh, uh, kind of draw into the story of a person this morning and see what exactly his move was. His name is... Matthew he was a tax collector he was not a very popular guy but he was well known you know people that are well known but not popular like they're well known but people don't like them like the wrong kind of popularity this is Matthew Matthew we're going to unpack his story if you turn with me to the book of Matthew chapter 9 read a couple verses right there and we'll see where he even begins because he runs into Jesus and as he does he has an encounter with him. It says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man. And too many times we don't see what Jesus sees. Because everybody else would have just kept walking by, ignoring the one that Jesus was paying attention to. Yep. Matthew was sitting at the booth collecting taxes. He was there, and Jesus stopped and told him, follow me. Matthew got up and followed him. Now, this is crazy. We can't read over these stories like that's normal. You are in the office one day, at work, and somebody comes by, looks at you and says, follow me. Sure. Whatever your place of employment is, go there in your mind right now that you're on a busy Tuesday morning, working, doing your business, and somebody you've heard of, but Jesus wasn't his popularity wasn't massive at this point; it was still building. But no, ma- not so much was known about him. And this person would walk by. God forbid, it was your pastor. Somebody would walk by, and just say, "Hey, follow me," and you process that through and make a wise decision and go, "Here I go," and walk away from your job. Let's not look over these things like they're pretty simple, basic choices like breathing and eating. Matthew got up and followed him. Verse 10, we kind of accelerate the story. Jesus was then having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call. Somebody say call. Call. The righteous, but sinners. This morning, I want to move into step three. Step one of our one small step was to know God. Number two was to find freedom. We talked about that last week in moving past our past through relationships and small groups, this morning, I want to talk to you about discovering your purpose. Because if there is one thing in life, as a pastor, I get consistently asked questions about, this one falls in the top categories. Pastor, what is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? How do I figure out my calling? Talk to me about that. And it can be so difficult sometimes, but this morning, I want you to realize it's not that challenging when you look at it from this perspective. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in this space and in our lives. God, we ask you to continue to have your way. Open our ears, our mouths, and our heart to see, to hear, and to experience you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. I want to open up with this illustration, and I've used it before years ago. And so if you, you've been here for a while, you may have heard it, but you probably forgot it. Because if I asked you to go back and repeat the last five sermons i preached, some of y'all will be like, Christmas. We were Christmas five weeks ago. (laughs) Christmas. So you probably don't, but I just want to give you a disclaimer. Because growing up, we oftentimes would say to somebody, like how many times have you looked at your kids and said, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like what do you want to do? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do when you grow up? I can remember people asking me, Dave, what do you want to do with your life? When you grow up, what do you want to do? And I mean, I just went through the list. Like, when I was little, I went through the list. I wanted to be an Air Force pilot. I wanted to be a judge and a lawyer, both at the same time. Yeah, exactly. Like, I wanted to do something. I wanted to be in the Army. I wanted to fight fires. Like, you go through the whole list. And as you get older, what do you want to do kind of narrows down because some of those things you experience, you see, you watch them, and you're like, "That's eh, not so great. Then you also add in the value of, well, how much money does that make? Because I really want a lot of money. Well, I want them to pay me really well for whatever I do. And so you add that. And don't act like you don't think that way. We all do. And so we add that in, and we think, and we, uh, we look at it, and we get to this place in life. And then we begin, I sit down, oh, did you stop? sit down with your guidance counselor at high school? You remember high school when you sit down with that guidance counselor and, well, what do you want to do? What steps do you need to take? How do you need to get to the place you want to get to? And as a youth pastor, I would sit with students and I'd be, well, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? And I don't know what's the most popular job out there. (laughs) Like, not on resumes, but I mean, somebody should open up a business called I Don't Know because everybody wants to work for it. I don't know what I want to do. I don't know. It's like as if people haven't even put any thought, yet we've been asked that question since we were small. We've been thinking about our whole lives, and the closer we get to it, the less we know about it. But the truth is, we've been asking the wrong question the whole time. Because when you ask somebody, what do you want to do with your life, you're defining their life by their vocation. I want you this morning to ask the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? Because if you'll figure out what you want to be, what you do is a lot less significant. Who you are is significant. What you do will fit in to whoever you are. We spend too much time trying to figure out what we want to do with our lives, how we want to work the next 40 years, build up a uh, a, a, a portfolio, get a retirement set up, get everything out there, figure out our our wives, husbands, spouses, kids, all these things come into play. And we, what do I want to do? But if I could just figure out who I want to be, so what happens is simply this we put a lot of emphasis raising our kids on what they're going to do, they begin to build their identity based off of what they do instead of who they are. So they get into a job, land a great job, go through a great college, land a great job, become a great thing in that vocation field, yet who they are in that place may not have enough character and integrity to hold on to the great job because we didn't focus on who they are, but we just focused on what they're gonna do. And we've built a generation of people based upon what they can do with their lives and they think that their value is now found in what they're doing instead of who they are. God has never put value on you based on what you can do for him. He has always placed value on you as to who you are to him. Think about it. His entire creation. Hey, let there be light, sun, moon, stars, animals, everything. And oh, this one right here. Human beings That's the only one. Angels surround the throne of God. Enter and exiting heaven all the time. One third of the angels fell into sin and fell and he did not send his son to redeem the angels and yet leaves them bound in the bottom of a pit somewhere in this galaxy waiting for the day when they'll be removed into the pit of hell. But mankind oh mankind fell and slipped And he said, I'll give my son, not because of what you're doing, but because of who you are. You're my favorite part of creation. You are my value. You are my people. You are who I love. And so because of that, if we could focus on being, who am I, not doing, purpose would be a different perspective. Because when I say to you, What is your calling? you say to me, Pastor, what is my purpose? and a lot of times those words go hand in hand. They often come back to, What do I do with the 40 to 50 hours a week where I work? But I want you to focus on, What are you doing seven days a week, 24 hours a day, every day of the year to be the person God has created you to be and gave His Son for you to become? So. Now, now my purpose is defined not by what I've done for him, but by what he's done for me. You should write that down. My purpose is defined by what he's done for me. Who I am, the definition of my life is not defined now. So if somebody says, well, who's Dave? That's the guy God's done a lot for. Not the preacher at the church, not the pastor at the plane of the avenue. He's the guy that God gave his son for and redeemed him, restored him, and set him in a place now so that whatever he does, God's like, cool, son, let's get to work. We have to get away from this one-track mind that there is one thing we were created to do, and if we miss that, we miss everything. You were created to worship. So if you are a worshiper, a believer, a saint, a Christian, somebody that knows God, no matter where I am in life, you're always going to be first and foremost, and I'm going to give you my praise, I'm going to give you my life, offer my thanksgiving for all that you've done. You can collect trash, or you can collect baseball cards, it doesn't matter, you are walking in your we're created as his children. So it changes our definition, because if you don't define yourself, the world will, and the world wants to define you. The world's doing everything it can to define you. Culture is doing everything they can to change this about the way we look and think. It wants to change this mindset of who I am. We're not just another group of people with feel-good stories. We're not just another group of people looking for religious liberties. We're not just another group of people like Google and Starbucks and Apple. We're not just another group of people with a title and a name. We are the children of God. We are born of Him. We have come back alive because of Him. We are redeemed and we are bought and we have a purpose now in Him. When I was without Christ, I would have never been able to find my purpose. But now that I've stepped into relationship with him, I can discover who I'm created to be. This is much, much bigger than we give it credit for. You, well, you know, Pastor, when you, when you say that prayer, what does that mean? When you say that prayer, it means now you can suddenly not just, oh, I say all the time, like your destiny is changing it is, but not just making heaven your destiny, but now here on earth you can begin to discover what God wants you to do with your life. It's much bigger than you ever imagined it to be, but it's much simpler than we ever complicated it to be. We are the church of God. We can discover our purpose in Christ. But just like Matthew, collecting taxes, when you can't find your purpose, let me give you a little little hint here, a little help. When you're trying to find... Okay, but, I, I, but pastor, like, help me, though. Because I still want to find that thing to do with my life. And I get that. I've been there. Because I was in that tension, too. At, at 18 years old, I got out of high school. And I joked that when I was homeschooled and went from high school to work, I, 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 it was like a day. I woke up one day and graduated, and the next day I woke up and went to work. Like, there was no, and maybe you're like, I did, too, but, like, it was, it was, th- there was just, there was life like, I, I, I remember clearly, it was like, okay, now you go to work. So my dad was a pastor, and he had a contracting business, so I went to work for him. But it didn't change who I was as a follower of Jesus. So I maintained that, and then I began to sort through different jobs and vocations. I went there, but I felt inside of me I could sense why, because the Spirit of God is in me, so he's speaking to me, so I'm becoming aware now that, hey, this job that I'm doing, I don't think this is what God wants me to do the rest of my life. I could have, and he would have continued to bless my life, but he also could have said, hey, but I also have something else. Would you want to go do this? You say, do you think it's that easy? I kind of do. I think we complicate this so much. So I went to Bible college, went off, spent time there, graduated, but the tension was still there. Because now that I've committed, hey God, I'm going to be in ministry, I'll commit my life, I'll, I'll pastor somewhere. But at that time, like 22 years old, like being a youth pastor is the height of your life. Like, I'll, that's all I ever wanted to be. Never considered being a, a, a lead pastor, senior pastor. Like, I never thought I'd play in a church. I, when people are like, oh, I'm just living the dream. I didn't dream this. Maybe like a couple years ago I began dreaming it, but it wasn't like from birth. I, I, when I looked out in my childhood dreams and saw y'all, y'all were like 16. Always. And so I had this weird place in life, and I graduated. Then I started getting job offers. Well, you can become, you can move to Nashville. A friend of mine was playing the church. Go back to Baltimore where my family was. I could I could move to Texas where the guy I was working for, my mentor said, Hey, I'm coming to Texas, come over there with me. And I was like, I don't want to go to Texas. That's further from home. It's deep in the South. I already live in the South. That's like deep in the South. Just my perspective. No offense. We did win yesterday, no offense. I won't say any more. Just let it go. It won't be in the second service. And I was just like, God, what do you want? Because I feel it. Even though I'm in this place where I'm living for him, I still feel that pressure, that tension of what am I going to do with my my life now? How do I want to? Because I want to steward well my time. I'm not at all dispelling the fact that you can just go do what you want and not steward well your time. No, you must still do that because it's a gift from God. But I think we're gifted to do a lot of things. So I met with a pastor, and I said to him, His name was Steve Hill. I met with him, and I said, "Uh, you know, what do I do? I've got this job offer here and here and here. And he said, Dave, he said, you can just, you can go to any of them. And I said, no, 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 there's got to be one. He said, no. He said, any of them. He said, you carry the blessing of God on your life. You can go to Nashville, Baltimore, or Texas, and God's blessing is going to follow you wherever you go. Now I believe that, and that's helped set a lot of place, a, a lot of course in my life. But I also understand that there's also closed doors that God has as well, because the Bible does clearly say He opens doors no one can open, and He closes doors no man can shut. Yeah. So we still have to understand that when a door is closed, that's from Him, and when a door is open, it's from Him, and we have to know the difference. So there's a lot into it. So when I say I'm simplifying it and bringing it down. We are, but that still requires you to walk in counsel and prayer. Because some of y'all right now are looking at decisions going, I really need to figure out this next season of my life. I really need direction. I really need help. And I would advise you, you really need to focus on staying close to God as you can. You need to focus on praying about it as much as you can. And you need to focus on getting people with experience and wisdom to speak into your life that you trust. And when you can get those things down, I ended up making a choice much like Matthew because I tried to move back to Baltimore and realized, you know what, I do realize that God's blessing. They offered me a job at a church in Baltimore. It just, I knew in prayer, it was a closed door. And it would have been like as if I was trying to kick it down. So I left there. I said no to Nashville. I moved to Texas because that's the place I felt like I had somebody going follow me. The man I was working for, my mentor, was saying, "I'm moving to Dallas, working for this church. Come on along, come and get an interview." And and I just thought, "I don't I don't want to go that far from home." But it was a lot simpler than I was making it. Because when I got to Dallas, I said, I'll stay two weeks, that's it, and then I'm moving back to Florida, and I got to Dallas for two weeks and never looked back. I knew I was where I was supposed to be. I knew in that moment, much like Matthew, you'll just know. There's a part of you that knows, because the Holy Spirit, it's not your own intellect, it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and I just, I knew that's where I needed to be, and since 2006, I've called this place home, my home state. The old saying, I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could. I can't say I got here as fast as I could, but I got here when I could. (laughs) You look at planting a church, we weren't even trying to plant a church, we were trying to just take a church from a pastor that was trying to retire or work for somebody and kind of move into a campus. It was just a, it's weird the way that God works. When you are submitted and surrendered to Him, He will continually order your steps, and place you in the right place by closing doors and opening doors. And you are capable of walking in his blessing fully all at the same time. So let me give you a couple thoughts here because I want to make sure that I give you some practical insight on finding your purpose. When you can't find your purpose, stay persistent. Stay persistent. Don't back down. Don't give a... I know too many people that when they can't find their purpose, they back off of it and go, well, then I'm just going to wait. No, no, no. Waiting is not just doing nothing. Waiting is I'm going to still seek God. I'm still going to go after God. I'm still going to be active. I didn't say consistent. I said persistent. Not just because it assimilated out really good, but because it's really the key word here. I'm going to aggressively still pursue what God wants me to be in this life. here's why one because your purpose is compelling the fact that we are lost sinners from God and he would choose to use us is so significant Matthew was compelled to get up out of that tax collector's booth to leave his vocation and his security compelled to walk away and step into something that he knew Jesus this man he had heard about probably was asking him to step into I don't have time to dive into the deep complexities of the word, follow me. But when a rabbi looked at a Jewish boy, a young man, and said, follow me, it meant more than just follow me and like, let's go for a walk. There was a lot that went into that because he was basically saying, you're coming into my mentorship now, and I will train you to do what I am doing. So Matthew understood, I am changing everything about my life and walking away from that and into this place now, and I'm putting my complete trust, faith, and confidence in this rabbi, this man that will train me to do that. Very compelling. Very compelling to follow somebody that when God taps you on the shoulder and says, Follow me and leave that life of sin, follow me and leave those people, follow me and leave that addiction, follow me and leave that hurt, follow me and leave that pain, follow me and leave that trauma, follow me and leave all that behind, follow me, forgetting what's behind and pressing onward to what's ahead. Follow me, and I will train you how to forgive. I'll train you how to live. I'll train you how to operate. I will train you how to become who I've called you and made you to be. Follow me is not just getting up and going, I'm a Christian, checkbox. Follow me is now I'm submitting my life to Christ, and this becomes one of my best tools in the world. We started the Bible reading plan one year. Again, we do it every year, and I invite everybody from the church community to join in. Because if you will get in God's word and read this book every day for the rest of your life, it will help guide you and lead you. Because following Christ, the the, the compelling thing, the thing about my life that I have is that I'm not just following him to get something from him. Now I'm following him to give something to him. And we've really, the church hasn't always done this the right way. Can I say that? The church hasn't always done this the right way because we've made ministry this platform position. This church is made up by people who are ministers all across the room and in all spaces. I minister in my lane most Sundays right here on this platform. It's elevated so we can see each other better. But there are ministers in the back who are taking care of babies right now and helping out and loving on children and changing diapers and teaching kids how it's going to move from that seat and make it and take a turn after the next service and slide in the back, and he's going to train kids from, like what, 10, 11, 12 years old? And love on them and equip them and get them ready because it's his passion and he loves to do it. And he knows that God has put something inside of him and he doesn't want to make coffee for you. (laughs) You probably don't want him to make coffee either. You want Brittany to make your coffee. But I'll have Howard train my kids every Sunday. But Howard doesn't do that for a living. He does something else vocationally. See, we've made ministry into a space where it's now a platform thing. No, we are a church of ministers where my position is to equip you and empower you to minister to each other and do amazing things in this community. I am, I've been saved to be sent. 2 Corinthians says this, we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, and we speak for Christ and we plead to people, come back to God. This is why we don't go straight to heaven and salvation is because I still have a purpose to do on this earth. I'm still saved to be sent out because my purpose is compelling and I want to figure it out. So when I'm sitting in my dental office or I'm sitting at my job, sitting in a boardroom, wherever you're sitting in that moment, realize you are equipped to be a minister. You can hear from the Holy Spirit in those spaces, not just this one. But you've got to train yourself you gotta realize this is who I am. I'm a believer, I'm redeemed, I'm a child of God, I'm a saint, I'm walking out that in different vocational aspects. Number two, your purpose has a cost. Because there's always a sacrifice for success. Don't ever look at a business and think, how easy was it to build that business? Business owners in the room would quickly agree with me. If you've ever built a business in the room, You would quickly say, you cannot stand when people say, oh, that just must have been so easy. Look how efficient that thing runs. Purpose has a cost. People, oh, you have it so easy at the avenue. I had somebody say that one time. You have it so easy at the avenue. It's like, you ought to come Sunday morning at 6 a.m. and see how easy we have it. We love what we do. We don't despise it. We're not frustrated about it. But I wouldn't call it easy. This morning, the band was up here getting ready, and they had some kind of a malfunction with some kind of electrical thing. They were trying to explain it. I didn't even know the words put into it. I just know it wasn't easy. And they battled through it, and yet we still had a powerful moment of worship reminding ourselves of God's presence, that he was in the space. And it wasn't easy because they had to fight their way through it to get to that moment. Because purpose has a cost. That's why I have a problem when people say, that's the free gift of salvation. Salvation is free. To be saved from my sins and myself and have a ticket, have a place in heaven. Now I can go to heaven and be with my Father God because of Jesus' sacrifice. And I received that. It was free for you, but not for him. He emptied heaven the one thing that he loved the most his son and his son gave his life as a ransom for many oh it was free for us but it wasn't free for him and the moment from salvation we cannot treat it any longer oh that's a free gift that i received to be saved but now to be sent that's going to cost me something a lot of people, that's why they want to stay in the saved seat and not the sent seat. I'll stay in the saved seat because that's free. But if I get in the sent seat, oh, there's a cost. You want to go to Growth Track? It'll cost you a couple hours. You want to lead a dream team? It'll cost you something. You want to go to small group, lead a small group, it'll cost you something. You want to tithe, it'll cost you something. You want to be a part of something bigger than yourself, it'll cost you something. You want to lead an outreach, it'll cost you something. You want to follow God with your life, it'll cost you something. So people stay in the saved seat because they don't want to pay the price that it costs to build something significant with their life. And I'm the car behind you this morning going beep beep, get out of saved seat and move into sent seat and be sent out into the world to do something great with your life that God has for you. Jesus said if any of my Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you know, follow me, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. That well, wasn't a physical cross like he carried, but it was the cost of understanding, the cross of understanding. Now there's a cost for me to do this and you're stuck on a level in life because you haven't figured out that in order to go up, you have to give up. You want to level up, you've got to let go. And then that's kind of the way life works. Anybody ever been on a Ferris wheel? Come on, where's my carnival people, amusement park people? Oh, I like Ferris wheels. My wife hates them. You see, she didn't raise her hand. I thought it'd be really romantic to get up on a Ferris wheel. No. I think I'd get a black eye. Because, like, she, the, and she gets it, uh, there's, there's, I'll never get her to get on a Ferris wheel. Now, I got my kids to get on one. We get on a Ferris wheel, get in there, and it looks like a lot of fun until it's not. Until you hit that part where you stop, 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 stop. And then the control factor kicks in, and you're like, let me off. I want to get out. Let me go. Oftentimes in life, it's like that Ferris wheel. You're up there, and in order to get higher, you've got to let go of what you know is your control. I've got to let go of my security. I've got to let go of things that I can control and dictate. And allow yourself to move into places you couldn't move if you were remaining in control. I remember as a kid I thought it would be fun to be the guy doing the little buttons, but I found it's more fun to be on the ride itself. There are levels of success. There are levels that are moving that has to happen into my calling, into my community closer to Christ. Because greatness isn't discovered, it's developed. don't stumble across a great business you develop one you don't stumble across a great church you develop one maybe you stumble across church you're like man look at this they got it going on maybe you didn't think that but i can tell you whatever your thought was we've been developing something for almost six years now going after god not settling and moving from saved to sent because we believe in something bigger than ourselves Number three, your purpose as a compensation. This is not get to give. It's I get to give. Now you might think, "Ah, you know, that's kind of an awkward way to say it. Compensation. Anybody ever had direct deposit from heaven? (laughs) Like, hey, is that a thing, pastor? You ain't talked about that one before. No, it's not. It's not in the form that we always think of things as, monetary. But if you look at compensation packages through the eyes of God, oh, you'll see it everywhere. Because when you move from saved to sent, you realize that the rewards of heaven are people. Some of y'all didn't get that excited. You realize that if the one thing in all of creation that God bankrupt heaven for to give his son, who gave everything he could for you and I, then the only thing in this world that matters is people. So when I look out in this room and I see people changed, people moved, people saved, people sent, people compelled. Oh, it gets me fired up. And I realize. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. That's why I'm being what I'm becoming. Not for a paycheck. Not for something in a bank account. But because of something greater. I want you to see the story. I want you to hear a story. Why we're doing what we're doing. How much it matters to God. Check this out.
1: Hi, I'm Ryland. Uh, thank you for coming to the Avenue Church. I got to say that uh, getting involved in Freedom Group was uh, very different, uh, it's not something that I just heard of and, and, and was encouraged to go and do. Um, although Pastor Brandon definitely encouraged me to get into a small group, my wife, Courtney, actually really urged me to get into the small group. It's not something that I ever really went through before. And uh, this most recent um, semester, uh, we were actually able to go uh, weeks 1 through 12, uh, and it was uh, powerful. It was uh, full of things that I never would have expected, uh, to be honest with you. It was life-changing. two weeks in, I knew that uh, it was for me. And uh, just getting to know these guys uh, has been incredible. Uh, The group of men that is within this group and the friendships that I've made, uh, it's more like a brotherhood. And uh, man, it's just so uplifting to see what it it does for everyone else just as much as to to see what it does in my life every day. And uh, it's just really hard to biggest takeaway from the Freedom group was um, patience. Uh, it was just uh, instilled in me in a way. Uh, I just found the positivity of, of the Freedom small group and the communication we have within the guys group. Um, you know, listening to what other people are going through and, and hearing that and, and applying it to yourself. But for me patience is a big key and I think it probably is for a lot of other found myself being more positive when I would leave a a, a small group and would carry me into Sunday and it just kind of built into a snowball effect of um, constant positivity you know I I found myself being more patient throughout the days and uh, just handling life completely differently like through a new lens that uh, you know a lens that I'd never looked through before Um, and just this little small group weeks um, can be so impactful and if you know me uh, I'm a talker uh, but I found that in the freedom group the value of listening is equally as powerful Um, there's a lot to to be learned uh, in that and I think that if you're someone that is a talker like myself or even if you're someone um, that is not much of a talker I think that there is value in this group for you um, and I encourage each of you to sign up Give it a shot. Just try it. And the Freedom Group will, will do the rest. The Lord will do the rest.
0: Will you stand with me? We're going to close out here. I love Ryland's story there. And I love watching people take a step, celebrating that. I want to share that with you this morning because a year ago he told me. He could never, like he's leading a freedom small group this semester. And I don't think he minds me saying this. He said a year ago, I would have never imagined that in one year, next year, I'd be doing that. But you can when you realize I felt compelled. I that's what God wanted. I know it's going to cost me something. But I know too. He's just looking to give other people the same experience he's experienced. That's the compensation package. It's people. It's serving together. Being able to understand. We have a whole bunch of Matthews. See, for Matthew is walking away from a vacation. I'm not asking anybody to walk away from the vacation. I'm asking you to walk away from whatever it is that God is asking you to walk away from. Because this story was particular, listen, this was Matthew's particular story, personal story. Don't take his personal story and go, well, then that's for me to personally walk away from my job. No, the application is for you to personally walk away from whatever it is God is calling you away from. Matthew followed me on that journey 2,000 years ago. You follow me away from whatever it is you're in right now that he wants to move you next place in life that's how you read the bible that's how you apply these stories that's how you help figure out how does that make sense in my life that matthew saw change happen when he followed by one small step you know what happened to matthew he would eventually go to i believe it was india after christ went back to heaven and he'd go there with the gospel and he would lose his life and be a martyr At some point he had to think, you know, I would probably not have died in my vocation as a tax collector doing that work. Something significant had to compel him to give his life and to walk away from that and be okay with moving it into that place. What we talk about every Sunday, what we offer in small groups is the most significant thing in this world. It's following Jesus making one small step that I will follow Him. Just close your eyes this morning. Ask yourself, what's your next move? What's that place in my life that He's saying, will you follow me? What's that thing for you, each one of us, that step that you can take? Last week we baptized six people in water. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's tithing, giving. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's going to a small group. You have a step. Maybe it's personal development, getting my life to a place where I'm limiting and getting out things that God doesn't want, and I'm maintaining and holding on to the things that he does. Father, I pray this morning that you would be the most vital, significant part of our lives. If anyone in this room has you in a place of second, third, fourth place, they would rearrange whatever needs to be rearranged and arrange you to be in that space of first and foremost, God over all, Lord of everything. Lord of all. The old saying says if He's not Lord of all, He's not Lord at all. Because Lord means He's Lord over all. God's not interested in second place in your life. There's only one position, and there's only one place He deserves to be, and that's first. So, God, have that place. Let us have the strength to walk away and follow You, to move, be sent into spaces and places You want us to be. With every eye closed, maybe you're here this morning and you want to make a simple yet significant decision. It's place, the first choice you have to make, decision you must make to step into this life that now you can discover your purpose and why you're created and what you want to do. It's a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, making him Lord of your life. Across this room, those watching online, I'm going to pray, give you some words. You can use the words I use. You can repeat after me whatever you do, if it's your decision today know that when you make this choice it is not meant to now be in a saved seat. Now your life truly begins and you begin to walk this out where you surround yourself with a community of believers who are challenging you and encouraging you and God is constantly moving you. Church, pray this, prayer with me. Say, Jesus come into my life and use me. Give me of all my sins. Make me clean. Forgive me. Use my life. Send me into my purpose. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate <clears throat> some amazing things that God's doing.